0: Hey friends, I'm Lizzie Heiselt.
1: And I'm Valerie Best. This is Cocoon, Stories of Gestation, where we talk about what you've become as you've changed your life and grown your family.
0: We're here today with the second half of Misty's story. Just a quick note that we're not using the birth mother's names. Now to catch you up. When we left her last time, Misty and Jordan had just suffered a devastating loss.
2: And then the next day, the birth father came and checked him out of the hospital and took him home. And we gave him the car seat, and we gave him um, everything that we had. I think, just about. So then we went. So we went to my parents' house, and I bawled and cried very much for about for about the whole night. And then after that, we. Dusted ourselves off and went back home to our empty house and to a place where we thought we were going to have a baby.
0: Years ago, Misty told me that failed adoptions are similar to having multiple miscarriages. At the time, I didn't really understand what that might feel like, but now, having had four miscarriages in a row over 18 months, I think I get it. You mourn the loss of the child, of course but the loss of possibility as well, the loss of the hopes that you had and the life you had imagined. Misty and Jordan had four days with that baby, and while there was always the possibility that it wouldn't work out, just as there is always the possibility of miscarriage or stillbirth in any pregnancy, that was four days of caring for and loving a child as if he was their own, of imagining and preparing for a future that he was a part of, and then suddenly he wasn't. But just as in the case of miscarriage or stillbirth, the loss of the child did not change their desire to be parents and to provide a stable home for a child who needed one. Only a few weeks after they went home to their empty house, they got a call from the same social worker they had been working with.
2: And he said, I have, I have a, a situation for you. Are you, guys, are you guys willing to go through another adoption? And we, we said, yeah, we're, we're okay with that. We're willing to take a chance, and he said, "Well, there's no guarantees of anything. Um, are you are you ready for this?" He had seen us and our very high and our very low, and he felt really he felt like this was it was like a personal it was a personal case for him at this point. It wasn't just just any family who was looking to adopt because he had seen us so much and had felt like we we're his people. So, um. So, what had happened was there was this young expectant mother who had come to um, have counseling and had really wanted to, keep, had pretty much decided to keep um, her child. And then, as the time progressed, and they were just talking about all the logistics of health insurance, and rent, and food, and cost of childcare while working, and cost of this, and all those things. Um, She started realizing the difficulty of it and realized that she didn't want, she didn't want that for her child. And as he was talking to her, he explained to her that he knew a family that was, that had just had a very hard setback as far as not being able to have the child that they thought they were going to have. Um, And that the birth parents had basically changed their mind. And she, how do you describe her? She is the most strong-willed person, I think. She just could not fathom that someone would change their mind about something like this. That it was so huge and life-changing that someone could just say, "Hmm, I don't know, I decide something else. So she couldn't, she couldn't believe this and she felt badly for us as well, I think. And she did. And she said, well, I want to meet this couple. And he said, okay, and I'll set up a time. So we drove to Indianapolis where, where she is. And I showed, I nervously showed her like scrapbooks of our family and like who we were. And he had shown her our online profile too. And, um, we, we talked with her and her mom for, probably an hour or so. And she asked me about names that I liked, baby names, which is always a really nerve wracking conversation with anybody because you have your own ideas of what you want. And then someone else has their ideas, what they want. And you never want to, it's like in bargaining, you never want to be the first person to say something. And Jordan, my husband and I had been talking about names and we, we both like very old names and we like biblical names and we like not very kind of unusual, but pretty, pretty solid names and traditional. But, um, anyway, so we, we just talked about all these different names. And so she said, do you have any baby names in mind? I think this is going to be a little boy. And I looked, I kind of looked at my list and I'm like. I really like the name Asher and (laughs) which is not my husband's first choice. (laughs) Sorry, babe. And she almost started crying because (laughs) she had seen the name Asher in a baby book and had loved it. And she also loves Usher. So it all worked out, but (laughs) she actually told us that she's like, I really wanted to name him Usher, but I'm not going to. So, so we, we we left the meeting and we're like, I guess this baby's name is Asher. I mean, even if like even if she changes her mind, it's still this baby is Asher. And um, so then we met with her again one more time in Indianapolis just to hang out. Um, we went out to eat and we asked her things she liked and what she was craving and all these things. And she said, you know, I've I've decided. I've I've made up my mind. You know, this is going to happen. And we're like, oh, we're kind of like thinking about, pat on the head. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say, because we had already had all these other situations that just didn't work. We're like, you know, once things really, when the crap really hits the fan, (laughs) really what's going to happen, you know, but we're like, okay, we're along the ride.
1: And with that, Misty and Jordan started preparing to be there when the baby was born. When they got a phone call at four in the morning, Misty was ready to hop in her car and drive the two hours from Cincinnati to Indianapolis. Jordan tied up some loose ends and followed close behind. The birth mom was in pretty intense labor, but was happy to see them, so they settled in to wait with her while labor progressed.
2: We were watching like Talladega Nights or something. It was some really crass but hilarious show. I can't remember, but we were all laughing really hard, and she's having these contractions. We were just laughing with us, and um, we we watched Everybody Loves Raymond. Like all these different shows came on, and she was just we were just talking and cracking up like. We were, like, we'd known each other for years, and her mom was there, and then they said, okay, it's active labor, everybody get ready, and I was there, and my husband was there, my husband went up towards her head, and we were, he was talking to her, and I was holding on to one leg, and her mom was holding on to another leg, and baby Asher was born, and the doctor said, oh, they, they said, here's your son, and she said, um, give him to his mom, So so I tried to (laughs) kind of half uh, hold him but half like have him with her too because we're both his mom. Everything went as almost as smoothly as possible with her. She was. She was completely a rock. She, she said, I've made up my mind. This is what I'm doing. It is hard and it will probably kill me, but I'm going to do it because I promised you I will do it. And it is amazing because that is a very hard decision. And she, she just kept going. And I, I heard her. I heard her cry when they had the paperwork come in. I heard her cry so I know it wasn't easy, but that's what she chose for her son because she wanted him to have a good life and we have been so we've um so we've been in con- close contact with her ever since we've we, uh, ever since he was born it's been I, we we would drive up to Indianapolis to see her. We would, I would send her letters and I would send her photos. And um, this was before Facebook, so we we um, we she called us all the time. So we but we stayed in touch, and we still we still t- stay in touch. She actually visits us every year, and we sometimes we go to Indianapolis, and sometimes she flies here. But we see her all the time. And now we have Facebook, so we can have a private facebook page for her and the other birth moms to kind of see pictures of the kids and what they're doing
0: asher's adoption wasn't finalized for another nine months after he was born his birth father looked like he might claim paternity and the child but his three months lapsed without him following through and during that time the birth mom stayed committed to her decision as hard as it may have been for her
1: a few years later when asher was about three misty and jordan decided it was time to try again to throw themselves back into the adoption world and see what happened.
2: It's always a little daunting. It's one of those things where it's exciting, but we have extreme cautious optimism. <laughs> and we, we say, okay, we can do this. Yay. And we try to like throw ourselves kind of a pep party kind of rally thing where we're like, let's fill out some papers, honey. Yay. And we get kind of funny. So We So we filled all our paperwork pretty quickly this time and we're like, wow, that was pretty fast because now we're old hats at it and we know kind of the process. And we're like, well, let's try parent profiles again because we, you know, kind of had success with them last time. The social worker was able to use that profile. So we started getting, there were a lot of scammers. There were a lot of scammers the first time too. People emotionally scamming people, trying to get, draw you into just their life and their story and they want, they want you to pity them and it's not people who are expecting, but they want you to think they are, or they want your money. They'll say, Oh, I just really need rent this month. And if somebody could help me, then I would be able to have better nutritious food for my baby and (laughs) all that stuff. So my husband's very good at spotting frauds. He's like almost crazy good at it. So we had quite a few scammers and, and then we were contacted out of the blue by this girl who, she she seemed really young on her email because everything was like the letter U and, or spelled just a little bit off and it looked like she was texting or something. And with really young people, there's always the likelihood of them thinking really naively about pregnancy. And it's almost the opposite of what's supposed to happen. So the really, really young ones are the ones that keep and the ones that are older and more experienced are the ones that place. Um, and so that's, that was a really big risk. But she, she said she wanted to call us and she sounded really sweet on the phone and sounded like a real person. I'm like, okay. And we were in DC at the time and she was in Pittsburgh. So about four, five hours north. And then she said she wanted to meet us and we're like okay this is I guess this is happening we had talked to this girl's foster mom who kind of confirmed the story you know was like yeah this is real and she um she said yeah and she's really looking forward to meeting you and I think this is a good situation I've I've wanted to kind of help her in this direction because she needs to place basically she was 14 and so we uh so we got to meet her. She looked like she was 18, but she was definitely younger. And we she was really really great. She was shy, but she was amazingly she seemed like she had a lot of things on her mind. That's an understatement, but I I guess what I'm saying is she had a lot of things going for her. She's very smart. She's very um she seemed wise, even though obviously this situation wasn't wasn't a good situation, but she seemed like she understood and that she wanted to make good decisions in her future, all those things. She loved Asher, they were hanging out, he was really funny, so we we thought okay this is this seems good, you know, always a little you know nervous about it because you don't know how much you want to invest in this situation because. At any given second, it it could completely turn on its head.
1: And while things looked good, they were careful to protect themselves from being too optimistic or getting too connected to the idea that they would be raising this baby.
2: We don't say, oh, it's our baby. We say, oh, they're expecting and we're going to go to the hospital because they are expecting and they're our friend and they're going to have this baby. And we didn't really tell Asher a lot. I think we just said, our friend is having a baby and we're going to go up to the hospital when she has baby and we're going to see her baby.
0: Just like when Asher was born, they got a call at three or four in the morning that the baby was coming and that they needed to get to Pittsburgh as quickly as they could. It wasn't until they got to the hospital that they realized they didn't have anyone to watch Asher while they were there. So they took him out in the hall. The birth mom decided she didn't want anyone in the room anyway, but a little later she changed her mind. The birth mother's foster mom came out and volunteered to watch Asher for them so they could be there to see baby
2: Josie be born. We were all in the room with her. We we were all together. We brought Asher in, and she said, "Come meet, come meet little baby. So we all held the baby, and our friend was very quiet, very, very quiet about everything.
1: Did that make you nervous?
2: Yeah, I think. I think it made me a little nervous, but I... I knew I, I, I knew I know now that I really don't have any control over any of these situations. So I kind of just I think I just get to a point where I'm like, you know, it's whatever is going to happen is going to happen. I might as well be as graceful and as kind as I possibly can <laughs> in a given situation because I have no control. Um, this could be my child. It could not be. And I'll be completely heartbroken if it's not. But you know what? It's not my child <laughs> at this point.
1: They spent the next few days in the hospital with the birth mom and baby Josie, being kind and supportive and winning over the nurses who, even in a situation like this, where such a young girl is having a baby, can be very protective of the birth mom and very skeptical of adoptive parents.
2: I think that they were pretty nice. I think at one point they they realized who we were and they they could feel they could feel the relationship between us that we weren't we weren't solely interested in her for her body. <laughs> we weren't solely interested in her because of her child. We were interested in her because she was a person and we were interested in her. So, <laughs> that sounds like dating again.
0: Josie's adoption went pretty smoothly, but there's always a lot of emotions involved on both sides of the situation.
2: The whole signing of paperwork and it was very hard and I and I remember I remember going in and seeing her after and she was very upset. She was very She was very sad about everything and it's, it's just, it's just a hard, it's a hard thing because you feel so happy that you have a child but at the same time you feel so bad because you're taking a child away from someone and I've told my husband this but I feel so mad sometimes because in order for me to have joy someone else has to be completely heartbroken almost to, almost to the point of not even wanting to go on anymore. And that just makes me mad because <laughs> it's just not fair. I mean, my my joy is always tainted. Always it with these kids. It always is. I'm always, and I think I feel I feel too much for people. But but that's just how I am, and I'm okay with it now. But I, it's just never it's never a clear cut. Yay, you have a baby. It's never it's never like this joyous. It's always bittersweet always because I think of this family that doesn't doesn't get this kid I do and it was the same for her I mean yes she was young and yes she had a hard family situation but at the same time this was this was her family this was her child and she very well could have she could have chosen to do whatever she wanted so um, so she did place and we were really glad.
0: There was a little bit of grumbling from the birth father's parents, who could have stepped in and said they wanted to raise their grandchild. The birth father, who was 19, couldn't claim paternity without incriminating himself for statutory rape.
1: Meanwhile, the birth mom had more or less disappeared. She'd run away and was living with her mom, but before too long was back in contact with Misty and Jordan.
2: And she started writing to us and basically saying, right after you all left, I, started the, I tried, to just start, tried to start the process of getting the baby back. She said, I have to be completely honest with you. This is what I did. And I also approached the birth father and told him that it was, it was, my time was up, but his wasn't. And so she said, but I had to be, I had to kind of come to reality and realize that this was the best option for her. And I have that letter and I'm going to frame it. No, I'm not going to frame it, but I'm going to keep it forever because I want my daughter to know. I want her to know that it wasn't an easy decision. She she was wanted. And she was loved. And they, they were going to fight for her. But then they realized that this was a good situation for her to be in. And that this is where she was supposed to be.
1: It's been about four years now. And Misty is still in touch with Josie's birth mom.
2: She's good. She is now aged out of foster care. She has a boyfriend I think she's living with. She works a lot and she she seems much much older than she is because she's experienced a lot with her with her family she's experienced a lot with being in foster care i think she's experienced a lot with the adoption i think that's aged her i think that she i think that she's much much older in soul than she is in body but yes, so now we have Facebook and we post photos all the time and we've we've talked with her and we're actually on good terms with her birth father as well. Um after everything was finalized, he actually he actually skyped with us one of the first times we had even made contact with him. He wanted to Skype with us and we're like, oh, "Okay." And he was really really nice and very just seemed very kind and very open to talking to us and has since told us that he's glad that we adopted. So so it's good. But it's hard.
0: <laughs> your yeah. family keeps growing but I yes. mean not just with children. I mean you have all these yeah, other people right. who are yes. Who are very yeah. much a part of your life and their lives and
2: Yeah. It's and yeah, I feel like I I feel like we are my my husband and I are very much people collectors. Like we we just love people, so no matter where we go, we end up having more people. (laughs) We just absorb them and they become our family.
0: I thought that after the drama and anxiety of their first two adoptions, maybe their third adoption was the charm. Something simple, straightforward, low stress. But when I asked if there was a story behind adding Allie to their family, this is what I heard. did you catch that? That was Jordan from off mic saying, buckle your safety belt. Missy took it from there.
2: Oh, buckle your safety belt. That's right. <laughs> okay. So this one has by far been the most difficult. Um, I'll just preface it by saying that. So again, we decided to go with parent profiles because, hey, we'd had success before. We might as well go with what works. We started getting scammers. We're like, hey, this is all all old news. This is great. We, we know how to do this. <laughs> We had some really good scammers. No, they weren't good. They were just funny. <laughs> and people who people would say, Oh, I I'm actually from Alabama, but I just happen to be in your neck of the woods. Why don't you come and see me? Oh, I'm having contractions. Oh, I'm in the hospital. I'm like, really? <laughs> so anyway, we um <clears throat> we did get a contact pretty quickly <clears throat> from a lady who was in Winchester. So just like an hour west of us. She was saying, oh, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm due soon. That's the other thing that we always look for is <clears throat> we personally like it when the birth mothers are at the end of their pregnancy, because if it's at the beginning, there's a lot of time for them to change their mind. So I was, I was practicing positive thought. We needed somebody who was within Virginia because we have friends who are lawyers who could potentially do law some of the law stuff for free <laughs> if it was inside Virginia. If it wasn't, we had to find a lawyer somewhere else. Um, we needed it to be within a certain time frame because I had a trip that I really wanted to go on <laughs> to, <laughs> to Dubai with my husband, and I knew that I would never get this chance again. That's <laughs> so bad. That sounds awful so, <laughs> but it's true, <laughs> and, but I was really willing to stay home, I was like, I think I might need to stay home for this one, <laughs> um, um, and we didn't care, the sex, nationality, you know, all these, all these stipulations that people put on, were like, no, come on, no, we don't care, so, um, We got contacted by this person who was in Winchester. She said, oh, I have some appointments. Why don't you come to them with me? Which is always a great sign because that means they're willing and open to like talking to you in front of their doctor, which is not always what people want to do. But she did. So we, my mom was in town, which was great. So she watched the other two kids while we went to Winchester. And um, we went to an ultrasound appointment and I think she was going to do a blood sugar, the blood sugar, glucose, whatever. And But she had brushed her teeth and chewed gum, so she couldn't do that one that day. <laughs> she was really mad. Um, she was just this really funny, really, really funny, open, talkative lady. She was older than us. She was, like, 35. That's the other thing. We're like, great. She's older than us. She knows the deal. Like, she knows what this is like. Um, and she mentioned that she had some other children who were living with their father and that they were divorced. And so we're like, okay, she knows. She kind of knows this whole thing you know, parenting gig and the pain of childbirth and the influx of hormones, all that stuff. So we went to the ultrasound appointment and I had this really, I had had, I had had this really strong feeling previously that this was going to be a girl. She was positive this was going to be a boy. The ultrasound hadn't confirmed either way. So she, we went into the ultrasound appointment and lo and behold, it was a girl. And um, I just had this feeling in my mind that said, this is your girl. And I, I thought, okay, this is going great. We had these two, no, just, yeah, two meetings, I guess, with her that went really great. Same thing. We're like, give us a call whenever you go into labor. Um, let us know how things go, how you, if you change your mind, those things, you know, we, we've done this before. So let, you know, talk to us, be open with us. We, my husband got a really cryptic email, uh, text one night after we had talked to her a few times, we'd started thinking that something was a little weird, but we didn't quite know what, but we, we said, it feels like she, she's definitely pregnant. I mean, we, we were there with her. <laughs> we know she is, but we didn't, we didn't know how sold she was on the whole placing thing. She seemed like she could go either way. So my husband got this crazy text and it said, I'm getting sent to jail. I'm being arrested. Um, and we thought, okay, here's the crazy. This is this is when the scamming starts. I need bail. I need this. You know what I mean? Like we thought, okay, this is it. This is where this is the real scam. This is this is good. Okay, so <laughs> so we started uh, kind of preparing ourselves, but, but at the same time, we we're like, we still need to be kind and you know show her respect because she's a person and all these things. So so we asked her, okay, what do you need? She says, I'm in I'm in prison, or I'm in jail. So she gave us a call, I guess, right? Didn't she use, like, one of her only calls to call us? <laughs> she called us, and she said, okay, you need to set up the phone system so that I can call you. So we did. We put money on the books. <clears throat> and then um, she said, oh, my glucose is, you know, my levels are all crazy. I need... Some test test strips. Um, so if you can give the jail a few, you know, dollars or whatever, they'll be able to get my test strips. We say, okay, that's fine. That seems like a legitimate request.
0: Wait, did she like have
2: diabetes or something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Gestational diabetes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and she really wasn't taking care of herself <laughs> either. So yeah. So all this stuff was happening. She's like, I'm in prison, but it's this big. It's this big misunderstanding. They think that they have this warrant, but it's not me. Blah blah blah. It was all this big story. We're like, this is interesting. This is getting good. Okay. So we, so we had a family cruise that we were, we are I was hesitant about going, but I just got this feeling that was like, it's going to be okay. We should go. She started having these false labors, all these things in prison. Right. And they were saying, they were saying that she needed to calm down and relax and which is hard to do in prison. So she would call us, um, when we were in port (laughs) and say and she would say you're my only hope Obi-Wan so we so we and she would say I hope you guys know that you're you guys are my you guys are my out like you guys are my only hope for this pregnancy like I don't know what I'm gonna do you guys have to like please do not be away when I have this baby like you have to be here we're like okay okay so we got back home and then came time for my trip to Dubai with my husband and I really wanted to go and she finally called us and said okay I'm going to have a cesarean because um, I'm in prison and they want to have it scheduled. They want to know exactly when I'm having this baby so that they'll have the right guard people and all these things already and the paperwork done so they don't have have a baby in this prison. And we say, okay, well, I understand. That's crazy. She's like, but they won't tell me the date. You call and you find out the date. The reason they wouldn't tell her the date is they don't want her to plan some kind of escape. So... (laughs)
1: So it's like a surprise.
2: <laughs> yes. In the meantime, we were getting calls from the birth father even in Dubai. So <laughs> he was saying this lady is crazy. She's going to try to take you for everything you have. I I don't care anything about this baby. Like basically saying, he basically said do what you want to do, but she is going to scam you. That's basically what he told us. So we said, "Okay. Thank you for telling us." So the time comes for the cesarean and we've now become fairly close to her, pretty, pretty close to her. She calls us all the time and we talk to her. Um, she says, are you so excited for your baby? It's coming and it's going to be soon. And we're just like, well, it's kind of your baby, but okay. So we, um, so we went to the hospital. I was with her in the cesarean room. Um, I, was holding her hand because she was really nervous. She had never had a cesarean before. She's. I, we later found out she had. She had had three different. She'd had three other children, and had lost custody of all of them. <clears throat> and um. She. She was very. Um, just overwhelmed with the birth of this baby, and the baby was great. She was healthy. She was fine. We went to the uh, maternity ward and the nurses actually gave us a room right beside hers so that we could take care of the baby too, you know. So she breastfed some, we bottle fed some, everything was going pretty well. We could tell she was getting very, very distraught, very sad. And she had gotten a temporary furlough, just a temporary leave so that she wouldn't have to have guards in her room all the time. She had to report into the jail every day. And she could never leave the premises of the hospital. So, um, so because of that, we were able to be with her. We were talking to her. We'd go and get her stuff. We would, her new boyfriend came. He was with her. We all took care of the baby. We took turns being with her at night. Um, and then come time for discharge. And she was just in a lot of pain. She was saying, you know, I I just hurt so badly from the incisions, but I also hurt so badly for this situation. Um, I I can't do it. And they called in a social worker and they called in a counselor. The counselor talked with her and asked to talk with her in private. And we said, that's fine. So we went to our room and she was with her. And then the counselor said, you guys come on back in. She has something to tell you. And she just started saying, I, I can't place, I'm, I'm placing the child with some of my friends. They can come and pick the baby up. Um, and I, I, I couldn't physically be in the room anymore. I just started sobbing. So I left, I, I just said no. And I just was pushing things out of my way. Um, and so my husband stayed, um, and talked with her and just said, you know, the reason why we're here is to adopt. If, if you, You know, if you had any question in your mind of what our, you know, of what our intentions were, I'll tell you that this little baby should be in our family, and your your friends are are good people and they're nice, but they're not a family, a family forever. You know, they're they're people that would take care of her until you're finished with prison or finished with jail in the next few months or the next year or whatever it is. And so the the counselor said, well, she has that right, and we said, yeah, we understand that. So we we left to our room to just be distraught and be completely shaken. I, I, there was nothing, there was, there was no, there was no consolation. There, there was no any, there, there was nothing good. It was, it was just all sad because it it was a bad situation for her. It was a bad situation for us. Everything was bad. The, uh, well, then the, the counselor came in and asked us, Jordan had talked with her and he, and, and the counselor had said, would you be open to foster care? Would you be open to fostering this baby until everything is resolved? And at that point I said, yes, because we, we would rather be with her and make sure she is safe for as long as we can. If, if that means, you know, no parent has any guarantee. We think that we do. we don't. We have no guarantee of anything. So, um, so we said, okay, we'll foster her for a week, three months, whatever, whatever we need to do because she's ours and we will take care of her as long as we can. And um, and the, the counselor said, okay. She went and told birth mother, And then as we were talking to birth mother, she said she felt really badly. She felt really sorry for me and that she wasn't trying to hurt us. And we said we understood. We knew she wasn't just trying to pull one over on us. Um, It was a real situation. It was real now. (laughs) And it was time for her to leave the hospital and go back to jail. And that's not fun. And in came the social worker for the hospital. And she... Um, actually she came in when just my husband and I were in our room we were separated from birth mother at the time she was trying to get ready to leave and the social worker came in and she said it's over she said "I, I can't have her in my hospital causing commotion anymore she's she's leaving I've called the I've called the jail and they're coming for her now because it was it was assumed that they were going to come in the evening to give her as much time as possible with the baby. She had already stayed three days past what they had expected. And the ner- the social worker said, "I'm tired of this person. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of her. She's she had she had caused quite a bit of confusion and delay." <laughs> to quote Thomas, the tank engine. So, um, <laughs> she. So we just were completely dumbfounded. And she said, I'm calling the jail. They're coming to pick her up. And I, she said, and I will tell her. She has two options. The baby either goes with you or the baby goes to Child Protective Services. She cannot choose and determine who this child goes to unless it is someone who has an active home study. Because if I, if I am releasing them from the hospital, it has to be in a safe environment. I cannot just release to any person. And we wanted to kiss her feet. I really, I seriously wanted to wash her feet with my tears. Like I, I was so amazed at her insight and for everything. I, I, and also there was another social worker who had had birth mother fill out the discharge papers two days in advance. How, how did they think to do that? I have no idea, but they did. And I seriously want to kiss them. And so, so then we were just like, yes, yes, of course. And then, but then there was the issue of relinquishment of her rights. When was she going to do that? She doesn't want to do that. So, so the, they, they, they told us we could say our goodbyes. So we went in to her room and told her goodbye. And she was sobbing. We were all sobbing. Her mom was there. The baby, we were all holding the baby and sobbing together. And then they would say, oh, the, the transport's not ready. And then they would come in and they'd say, "Okay, get your things, your your belongings ready. The 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 jail is ready for you now." And we'd all cry and sob, and then they'd say, "Oh, transport's not ready." And this happened 3 times. <laughs> and then finally they came and they put her in a wheelchair and handcuffed her to the wheelchair and took her to jail. And we had partial custody of this little baby. She handed the baby over to us and said, "I'm very sorry." And she said, I am giving you to your parents and a brother and sister who love you. That's what she said to the baby. I'm so confused. Yes. Okay, so am I. So then we got a phone call from the jail. She was sobbing uncontrollably and said, I'm so sorry for what I've done to you. When can I sign the papers? I'm done. And we said, okay, that's great. Then we got another phone call in a few days that said, I'm actually going to get her back. And I'm calling a lawyer, and you can't stop me.
1: Oh, dear. <laughs> Did you tell her, like, we haven't tried to stop you?
2: Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, she, we've now realized, after now, now it's been a year, um, that she's very unstable. Um, and I knew that before, but I didn't understand the magnitude of her ability to have this facade of someone who has it together. Um, Because it is extremely divisive. (laughs) It's extremely, extremely confusing.
1: Yeah, like super deceptive.
2: She's extremely great at manipulation. Mm -hmm. Extremely.
1: Although, you know, you have to admit that her ex-boyfriend did try to warn you.
2: Yes, he did try to warn us. And he's back in prison as well. (laughs) So.
1: (laughs) So there you go.
2: So there you go. But long story short, we... We had this huge disagreement because she said that she wanted to mandate that we come and visit her every month um, or every, you know, every this or do this every Mother's Day, every birthday and every Christmas. She wanted to see the baby every this. And we had to send at least 50 pictures a month and we had to at least accept every phone call and at least. And we said, no, we can't do all these things. This is going to be our child. This is not this is not a shared custody situation. So we never agreed to an, to an assigned contract, a contact contract. And, um, but she feels very much that, that she was conned, that she was completely swindled out of her child. So she did sign. She did sign, but it was extremely, it was after, it was after three months of her going back and forth on the phone with us. Mm -hmm. And We ended up hiring a lawyer for her because that's what you're supposed to do in these situations. You're supposed to show good faith and provide them with counsel, legal counsel, um, even if they decide not to. But this one was specifically hired to counsel her, you know, through the adoption process. And so she signed.
0: The adoption is technically finalized, and the birth mom is in prison, but is obviously still a part of their lives, just like the other birth mothers. Well, maybe not just like the other birth mothers. Allie's birth mom is very difficult to deal with, and although they don't have a contact contract with her, Missy and Jordan have been there for her a lot.
2: So we recently, in, Ju- in July, we, we attended one of her sentencing hearings. She's wanted in five different counties. And she has over 30 felonies. And she will be in prison for the next 12 years. And that's just in Virginia. She's also wanted in Maryland for three different cars that she stole. And we're hoping that they will just extradite her from Virginia to Maryland to serve more time. But she's still in prison. And will be for a long time. But she she keeps maintaining hope that somehow she's going to be set free. And that she will have her child she feels very strongly that that's what she's supposed to do
1: so (laughs) she hasn't come to visit
2: you then no she doesn't come to visit me but i have but i have visited her how crazy how crazy am i (laughs) you're a people collector She's a very interesting person to have on your in your collection I um yeah we we feel very strongly that seeing as she has our address memorized that we should probably stay on her good side Mm. and um (laughs) everyone says oh well you should just move like that's like a really easy thing to do
1: (laughs) right Mm -hmm. so what was that visit like
2: oh visits we've gone almost every month (laughs) we told her we said the first year we know that it's going to be hard for you so we will we'll throw you a bone but after that we're, we're going to stop visiting you as much. We might see you once at one time a year. And she, um, during the visits, she's it's always very pleasant. It's always very happy, very joyous. Thank you for coming. Thank you for bringing her. She looks beautiful. She looks like she's having such a good time. She looks like she's so attached to you. She's so loving. She looks so sweet. It's always good. Mm-hmm. Phone calls and letters are a different story.
1: Really? Like, she, yeah. it's like it just a she sings, just sings a different tune. hmm Yeah. Like,
2: Dr.
0: Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yes. In there. Yes.
2: Yeah. Lots of mental instability. But, so we try to, yeah.
0: <laughs> to be honest, I was pretty blown away by what Misty and Jordan have been through and the dedication and compassion they have maintained throughout their adoptions. But those experiences were, for the most part, in the past. But Valerie and I had some questions about the future as well, because adoption, tough as it is to get through and finalize, is really just the beginning of a family that can and will have vastly different experiences of the world. We started with the mental health issues. So this is something that I have just been wondering about adoption in general. But with this situation with Allie's birth mother, do you have concerns about like Ali's mental health? I mean, I mean, I know that is a concern for any parent, but seeing seeing what
2: definitely what is
0: that like for you?
2: So, so, so my thing is that I feel kind of like I have a leg up because I know what some of the potential pitfalls for our kids will be. Um, that's why I love open adoption, even though it's been very hard, obviously. <laughs> Um, it's not. It's never been easy. It's, it's beautiful and ugly all at the same time, and it's. But it, but it gives us a very clear picture of potential for our kids, and things that they might like and things that they might not like. Things that might be some very serious hang-ups for them. Like I know one of our children, their birth parents um, had some substance abuse, and I know that there's been mental health issues in almost. I think not all, not all of them, but, but some of their birth families. So it gives us, I feel like it kind of gives us a leg up because those are things that we can look out for. It's a little daunting sometimes because, you know, you want, you want your kids to be unscathed, you know, and to be happy and carefree, you know, and, and that may not be the case for them. There are the hidden issues of
1: biology, the mental health problems that may or may not surface. But for Misty's family, there's also the race issue. All three of her children are biracial, white mothers, black fathers. Now, when they are young, it can just be uncomfortable at times, like when she's walking through D.C. with her husband and children, and people give them looks because their children obviously don't match them. When she's alone with her kids, people are left to assume that her husband's black. But when they are all together, it can be jarring for people to realize that these kids are adopted. But as time goes on... There's the potential that the race issue will evolve from being uncomfortable to dangerous. Let me ask you something. I just read this article about how the study was done about how, um, like, white parents talk to their children, like, seventy, like 75% of parent, white parents don't talk to their children about race. Did you read this article?
2: Yes. Um,
1: yeah. But, like, um, you know, parents of children, like, you know, Black children, they talk to their children because, well, for one, to instill, like, cultural pride, and then for two, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a a preventative measure against Mm -hmm. prejudice. Is that something that you are sort of consciously thinking about and doing?
2: Yes. 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 I've always been very interested in how people might, you know, experience life differently or, or look differently or have different backgrounds. I've always I've loved that. So, so when we adopted these kids first, when we got Asher, I thought, okay, this is this is this is fine. I live I don't live in a small small town, and I don't live in the south, and I was very grateful. And then after we got Asher, um, Josie's birth mother saw that we had Asher, so she felt comfortable placing with us because her child was going to be biracial, and she was going to have a brother who looked like her. And then similarly with Allie. Her birth mother saw that we had already had these other two children. And then when we moved to D.C., I thought, okay, this is good. We're still not in a small town. We're not in the South. We talk to them a lot. And we try to we try to keep it on a pretty simple level for them to understand. But at the same time, talk about very real things that they might experience and that people might say. It's something that I I actually kind of had a... A breakdown of sorts, a little while ago, because I read a book that was all about the racial injustices of our prisons and about the legal system, and and my son is a very um, a very obstinate person, and he's a very tall. He's going to be very tall. They're they're thinking about six eight. Um, he's a very tall black man. He will be. And he's a very quick to mouth off. He's very quick to um, he's autistic, so he has a processing delay. He has sensory processing um, disorders. And it seems like everything is stacked against him. and it makes me it makes me worried. and it makes me... I'm actually trying to think of some kind of organization to start for multiracial families for peace. But yes, so yes, we think about it all the time. And I and I think about it for my daughters because they will be seen a, a different way. They will be perceived in a different way than than maybe their white counterparts. And that drives me insane.
0: I realized as we were talking, actually before we even interviewed Missy, that despite having adopted nieces and nephews... I had very little understanding of how to be supportive and sensitive to families who are going through the adoption process. I knew that adoptions can take a long time to finalize. I knew that there was always the possibility that even if the birth mother is willing to place, the birth father could decide to raise the baby. But I don't think I appreciated the intensity of the gestation process that occurs in the months after the baby is born. The waiting for deadlines to pass, the court dates, the signing over of rights, the fear that the baby might be taken away... And I certainly didn't realize how lonely a path it can be when so few of your friends and neighbors, your community, don't quite understand it either.
2: I think that with adoptions, people, you do grow to have kind of a thick skin because you have these failed adoptions. And I think I had told you similarly that I had heard that it's similar to miscarriage. And I don't know that because I've never experienced that. But I, it's, it's something where I have, I have children that I don't have. <laughs> But they're, but they're somewhere, there with somebody else, and that's hard. Um, I think I think that with adoption in general, I think that people can just be supportive by, and by realizing that it's not. Um, people, people started asking me with our most recent adoption. They're like, so when is it all going to be done? <laughs> And, and I really wanted to know too. And I almost got really upset with somebody. I said, listen, please stop asking me that. I don't know. I don't know when it's all going to be done. I will tell you. It never is going to be all done because you know what? We're still dealing with it and it's still a process. And, and, um, and they were saying, they're like, well, I'm just, I'm just really, I'm just really nervous for you. Um, why, why do you have these, um, why, why are you accepting this really crazy birth mother to like work with? And I feel like slapping them and saying, it's a person. Yes, she's crazy. But you know what? This is how I get my children. <laughs> you know, like, I, I understand that you think this is high risk, and it totally is. But this is how I get my family. And if you found out that your child was in some other country, and they needed your help, but it would cost a lot of money, or it would be really hard or difficult for you emotionally, you would still do it because it was your child. And so I think that people, they, they, they easily draw these like parameters and say like, oh, well, that's that person. And this is me and you're not involved with, you know, it's, I'm trying to think of how to explain it. It's not, it's not all cut and dry. It's not, and it is, it's messy. And so I just just being, just being a friend and saying, wow, I have no idea what you're, what's, what all is happening like, do you need some help with paperwork? Do you need, like, do you need a reference? Do you need, but just being happy for you too. Like just, just the same, my husband and I've said this, the first time we adopted, there were no meals. There were no, there were no, like nobody said, oh, we're so excited for you. You have this new baby. Um, what can we help you with? You know, one, one of our friends, he was awesome. One of our friends, he knew that we loved Indian food. He went out and he bought Indian food for us. And because, and I didn't realize how all consuming a little baby would be. I was like eating ice cream at like nine o'clock at night because I didn't, I was like, I don't, I don't know, like my brain, I don't know where it went. Yeah, just being happy for people and being sad. I think it's just the same with you know with a with a miscarriage or with a with a typical pregnancy where you're you share that with them and you you're happy for them when things go well and you're for sad for sakes, them. them a shower. For heaven's sakes, throw them a shower. People don't know what to do with that. You don't know even if it doesn't work. You know what? Screw it. Then they have stuff, <laughs> you know? Because <clears throat> We had, with all of our, with all of ours, people waited to have showers until afterwards. And, and that's okay, but it was just really hurtful. It's like, it's like saying, it's like dangling the carrot in front of you and saying, we'll give it to you once, you know, once everything happens. And it's like, you know, what if I had a child who, who had, you know, be happy for me in the moment, you know, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So that's it.
0: Um, it strikes me just that, you know, we often talk about, like, we're all brothers and sisters here on this earth. But, yeah. like, you live that much more fully. in like, in reality, like, everyone is your brother and sister because they yeah. are helping you, you know, in some way to yeah. get your family.
2: Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. It's amazing. It's It's shown me how it showed me how closely we are all connected like i you think that oh the person walking down the street you think oh they have their own life and it's very interesting and stuff but then when you are involved with someone who's a stranger who gives you a child who gives you a family you realize that they they could be anybody they could be they could be anybody and and this situation could be happening anywhere and you really are we're all people and we're all part of this crazy life together and it's yeah it's very it's humbling
1: it's interesting i mean you said the the person that was asking you like when it was all going to be done and why are you putting up with this from this crazy birth mom like I, i think you're right like i think people draw parameters about what they feel like they will and they won't accept but in in your situation how you say like that's that's how you that's how you get your family i think life i think life is messy but i think when we don't have to take part in it we have this ability to kind of wall ourselves off but it doesn't stop it from being messy
2: right you just think you've contained it somehow yeah yeah you just think
1: <laughs> but but you just don't have those walls you're just you're just in it
2: it's been it's been quite the ride i i definitely am getting gray hair, and i'm okay with that cuz i feel like i've earned them it's all part of our it's part of our being like it's who it's definitely who we are
1: who they are is graceful kind worried funny normal extraordinary resilient wonders in short their parents thanks misty for sharing your story
0: and thanks to Ryan Barnhart for making this podcast possible for the past four months. This is his last episode with us, and we wish him well with his new endeavors. We couldn't have launched without his generous donation of time and talent, and we're going to miss him terribly.
1: And thanks to Ben Howell and Ellen Barnhart for the music. And thanks to Micah, who grows 75% of all the Christmas trees purchased in the U.S. Cocoon will be taking a short winter break for the month of January as we develop stories and gather content. Lizzie has a new project beginning in March that we're anticipating being pretty engrossing. It's a tiny baby boy that she's promised to name Solo Heiselt. and we're all pretty excited about it. So stay with us as we change things up, adapt, and move forward.
0: We'll also be developing additional content, like essays to be published on our website, that will keep us talking and thinking and sharing our stories. And now, thank you for listening. Please join our community on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and or leave us a review on iTunes.
1: Boo!